Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sisterhood TED Talk Podcast. My name is Cheyenne Cooper, and the second topic for today is generational curses. Um, I picked this topic because I noticed incidents in my family where history was being repeated. Um, we're going to get into that a little more as we go. For those that don't know, a generational curse is believed to be passed down from one generation to another due to rebellion against God. If your family line is marked by divorce, incest, poverty, anger, or other ungodly patterns, you are likely under a generational curse. The Bible says that these curses are tied to choices. Deuteronomy 30, um, 19 says we can either choose life and blessing or death and cursing. Um, For instance, I was sexually abused at three years old. my babysitter's brother, he had molested me once, and then I was sexually abused by his nephew. His nephew later came out to me um, on social media and apologized years later. Um, the time he was 16 and I was five years old and the act was committed, I was unaware of it because I was asleep. Um, at three until 10 years old, I was molested by a, a by my mother's stepmother's nephew. And this went on from when I was three until I was 10 years old. During that time, I had dealt with a lot of anger issues. I would act out in school. Um, I was expelled from two schools in elementary and soon kicked out of the school district by age of 10. Um, during that time, my family was going through a lot of personal stuff themselves. My father um, and mother, they were their marriage was falling apart. So I used to think that me acting out would bring the family back together. But you know, as I got older, I started to see that some things cannot be healed through um, rebellion. Cannot be mended through rebellion. As much as that's like what I could say. Um, at age 10, I started going back and forth from hospitalizations um, for suicide attempts and anger outbursts in school. So now that I was awarded the state, um, my mother was forced to turn over her parental rights because of my actions and um, inability to cope with my past trauma in the household. From 10 until I was 18 years old, I was then in placements back and forth facilities, um, dealing with a lot of, just a lot of emotional trauma. Um, You know, at 10 years old, I was confused about why I was put in the place I was put at. You know, I was seeing things I wasn't used to, and I just wanted to go home. Um, the first placement I was at, I spent two years in. Um, you know, went through a lot of things during that time. Um, at 18 years old, I was so eager to just get out and, you know, explore the world and play catch-up um, with old, you know, friends and stuff. And it just was a difficult time. My parents had seen that I hadn't changed not one bit, that my anger was still an issue, you know, that I hadn't coped with 
a lot of my past pain at that time. So I was now 18 and homeless and on the streets of Coastal, Pennsylvania. Um, I spent some time with friends and families. I was out, you know, running about, fighting, smoking weed, drinking. Um, you know, I lost my virginity at 18 as soon as I got out. And it's supposed to be a precious moment, but it wasn't. It was just done and over with, and I felt disgusting afterwards. I got pregnant with my son at 18, and me and his father, we were in a relationship, and um, he was in two other relationships while he was with me, so my son's younger brother is three months younger than him. I found myself in, you know, still homeless and pregnant, you know, trying to figure out the world. I didn't have anybody to guide me, and... It was a very hard time. I was hopping from place to place, and I felt the best decision was to go back into the state's custody. Um, so I signed myself back into foster care. Um, they sent me up to York County in the home for um, young mothers that were pregnant. So I went up there um, during that time. Me and my daughters, I mean, me and my son's father was going back and forth. He was not claiming paternity because he had two other situations going on. Um, he told me to get an abortion. A month, mind you, I'm eight months pregnant. He tells me to get an abortion. Tells me to get an abortion. Um, he's not taking care of him. You know, just typical asshole shit. So... I'm already high risk in pregnancy because I had a blood disorder. Um, basically, my blood type is O positive. My son's blood type was different. So my blood was, I guess my body was treating my son as foreign. So his, my blood cells would try to attack his blood cells. Um, when I had him, he had joined us. You know, he was in the hospital for a couple of days. I refused to leave his side. You know, I'm a first time mom. I want to be by his side every step. So, um, it was just a very hard time. I dealt with a lot of depression. I wanted to commit suicide. Um, this program that I went to, they weren't very helpful with helping young mothers, you know, get themselves together and figure things out. I had an incident, you know, where um, my blood pressure was very low. I was dizzy, and I had asked one of the staff members to watch my son while I took a shower, and that staff member, they refused to. So um, they became disrespectful. She was, mind you, she's a staff member. She's from Philadelphia. She had an attitude. You know, I was tired and distraught because, you know, I'm dealing with a newborn. I'm not sure exactly what all to do and everything. I was going through postpartum. So I get smart with her back. And, you know, I put my son in his car seat. I strapped him up. Put him in his car seat. Um, I sit him down, and I got into an altercation with the staff member. And I'm fighting with her on the steps. Um, I pick up my son to go up the steps to leave out of the, this basement area. We had a basement area in the program where we had movies and 
you know, we was watching TV and everything. So I pick up my son from the, uh, from the, um, I, I pick up my son from the basement. We walk up the steps to go up to my room. I've had his car seat in my arm. He's in his, he's in the car seat. So the staff member, she, you know, this is one so unprofessional. So as I'm walking up the steps, she's trying to pull me back down the steps. As I got my son on her, so she's all mad basically because I beat her the fuck up. <coughs> so she's trying to pull my arm back down. As I'm walking up the steps, she's still pulling me in my son's car seat. It falls out of my hand. Um, so automatically, I jump into mommy mode. You know, I pick up my son's car seat. Um, I want to go lunch back at this staff member, but I had a higher-up staff member grab me and put me into a restraint. So, next thing you know, I am being put into the hospital. I'm hospitalized for six weeks for postpartum depression. Um, they put my son in foster care. And um, it was just a very rough time. So, my son is in foster care, and... The ultimate plan was for me to get seen by a doctor because I was making threats to commit suicide. Um, also ran away at that point before the police came to take me to the hospital. And I was on a bridge somewhere in York, near York trying to um, jump off a ledge. So they hospitalized me, you're supposed to be there for six weeks, and the plan was for me to go back to the program with my son after the hospital. But the psychiatrist of Philadelphia has said that, because um, I went to Fairmount in Philly, had said that I needed to stay there for an extended period of time. So it was more it was supposed to be more than six weeks. They weren't able to hold my bed at the program up York, and they had discharged me. So now I'm in a situation where, okay, I'm homeless. Um, my son's in foster care. I'm in the hospital. And it's going to take some time to get him out of foster care. So when I get out, I go to stay with an aunt. Um, in Coteville, mind you, things, living there wasn't too healthy or, um, you know, wasn't too, it wasn't too stable for me. So, the course of 2015, I had a job, I was working, I applied for housing. Um, with no transportation or help for family members, I was kind of figuring out things on my own. You know, Chester County Chosen Services was supposed to help me with certain things um, to obtain housing, and having done that, they didn't fall through with that. So, the places I wind up winded up the places I winded up um, applying for housing for, I didn't get approved for those housing um, apartments until 2018. Mind you, I applied in 2015. This is how fucked up the system is. So the plan was for my dad basically to adopt my son. And um, when I got my place, he was going to hand over custody of him to me. Um, very hard time in my life and I try to find ways to you know cope with it without turning to drugs or other things 
that a lot of people have done themselves. Um, every morning I would wake up in my aunt's house. I would, I would get up, I would get dressed, and I'd be out the door. I couldn't find myself sitting there all day and not trying to get my life together. Um, the reason why I consider this a generational curse is because both of my parents were also um, victims of sexual abuse. I can't speak into detail about their incidences, but I can say that they come from a generation where those issues were swept underneath the rug. They never coped properly with them. You know, they kind of did make closure on their own, but not entirely. Um, another generational curse that I have dealt with in the family. My, we have had, we have a generational curse of kids being raised by other people. Um, you know, Chester County Children's Services, they give you two years to obtain housing, to, you know, fall. They had so many programs I had to go through that I completed, and it still just wasn't enough. Like, one time, like, one minute I would complete a program, next minute it's, oh, here's another one. They throw something at you, and it's just, like, frustrating. Mind you, I never had a drug addiction, I never had an alcohol addiction. It's just, like, every time I would complete an obstacle, something was thrown in my way. And it was very heartbreaking and, you know, frustrating. So generational curses with that. Um, my maternal grandmother's um, first child was adopted out. Um, she was raised by someone else. And... She was an alcoholic and substance abuse, had nine kids and different ch children's fathers. My mother didn't meet her until she was 12 years old. My mother's father raised my mother. Um, so the only grandmother we knew was my mother's stepmother, and she was a Caucasian woman. Her name was Tina. Um, I say it all starts with you, like as with breaking the generational curses. Um, I'm a parent of a boy and a girl, and although my situation isn't ideal, I would love to have both my kids underneath the same roof. Um, it wasn't a matter of, oh, I didn't love my son, I didn't care for my son. You know, I went to hell and back for my child. Like, I did everything that I was asked to do. Um, but it wasn't enough and in the time frame for the system. There's so many parents out here that they neglect their kids. They leave them with just anybody. And, you know, see why if they overlook those cases, they get those cases, they're like, eh, okay, throw them away. But me, it's just like I'm homeless. And, you know, all I needed was a push. Like, I was eight months pregnant with my son and out on the street in the winter of Coatesville. You know, applying for shelters and being told by the shelters, oh, they have a waiting list. It's a damn waiting list for a shelter. So you mean to tell me I got to sleep on the step in freezing cold, eight months pregnant, 
for a spot in the shelter. And that's the most frustrating part about the system and how it's set up. Um, but now, you know, God works in mysterious ways because my do- my son's um, adoptive mom, she reached out to me. Well, actually, it's crazy how the situation happened. A friend and I was at the WIC program in Westchester, and, um, you know, we wound up getting stranded up there because the lift ride, basically the woman beat us out of a lift ride back home. So we wound up getting stranded up there. I leave. I walk back to the house because the, the house is walking distance from the WIC program. Um... Um, when I get back to the house, my friend, she calls me, well, my old friend, she calls me and says, your son is here. And that was supposed to be my son's godmother. So I'm like, you're lying. So she puts me on FaceTime. I see my son. I instantly, and I break down in tears. The doctor mom brings him over to the house afterwards. And, you know, he's still young. He's all like, oh, I want to stay here with my other mommy, blah, blah, blah. So from there, it was just kind of like, we have to go step by step because now he has to understand he has two mommies, two daddies, you know, and he's loved very much and he has a big support system. Um, from there, the Dr. Femi and I, we have come to an understanding of, you know, we both love this kid. He knows us. He knows everyone. Let's work together. Let's become a family. And it's worked out pretty good. Like I get to see my have I get to have my son for a few days, um, almost every other weekend or twice a month or once a month whenever her schedule is free because she's a business owner, and I can just say there was nothing but God because not too many adopted parents will be open to being that open with the adopted family. I mean, with the birth family. It's more like, oh, like, they'll get the kid and want to cut everybody off. And they're not like that at all. They're good people and they mean well. And I just can't, I can't thank nobody but God because I was in a place where I was lost. And I was giving up hope, you know, because I did try to go back to get custody of my son. Um but was told that it was too late or, you know, in paid laws they don't have. Um, they don't give you the option of relinquishing, I mean, of reinstating your parental rights. My rights were never taken. I mean, I had to give, I had to handle my rights because the time frame ran out. Um, my dad was trying to adopt my son, but was shot down because he was told by the court that there was too much family involved. So it was shot down and it crushed my spirit for the longest time because I know what kind of mother I would be, what kind of mother I could be, and it just was frustrating. Um, Especially just having your child ripped away from you. Um. I went to, after he was taken from me, I went to a long couple years of depression. Like, I'm going to be open and honest with you. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to walk. I I gained 
a lot of weed. Like I was stress eating, I was self-harming still, not by cutting myself, but I was not valuing my body. Like I was not taking care of myself at all. I wouldn't brush my hair. I wouldn't brush my teeth. Yeah, that's nasty, but that's, I was down. I was depressed. Um, you know, and I just gave, I didn't, can't say I gave up, but I was just hopeless. Um, so I say to anybody out here with these generational curses, um, it all, it's, it can be ended with you like how you raise your kids, who you let your kids around, how you talk to them. Like I tell you right now, my daughter is not allowed around too many people. And some may call me an overprotective parent, but I say not nah, because I was hurt while in somebody else's care. I'd be damned if I leave my daughter with anybody and they're just doing anything to her. And she can't tell me she's two years old and she's just now learning how to talk. And generational curses are going to be that in your family foundation come growing up with a broken family you got your parents arguing all the time seeing cops coming in and out um and that's kind of a reason why i do not deal with some people today because of the toxicity like you don't want to be a parent I'm not forcing you to but you're not going to make my life hell because you chose to lay down with me and you have all these feelings for other people that have no part of my daughter being created. And you know, it's the lies, the drama and all that. It gets old after a while. Nobody wants to wake up every day and have police at their door, have, you know, protective agencies at the door because somebody doesn't want to be a parent. Or you you file for child support and they're not trying to pay that little $100 a month. So next thing you know, they're trying to take the kid and have somebody else in their skin to raise them instead of simply being a parent. You know, it's just, it's a lot. And nobody has to deal with that. So that's kind of the reason why, you know, I cut a lot of people out of our circle to maintain our peace. Mm. Let's talk about the drug addiction. Like I never personally in my family dealt with drug addiction. Um, well, as far as my parents. I know for, I have some feeding members that have, that are alcoholics and have abused drugs, but it hasn't affected me in any way because I haven't personally had it, had to deal with it up close. Um, you know, I think these things we should look more into, not just generational curses, but also building generational wealth. I have a business called Ms. Melanin Magic, and um, the teas are basically, they're all about loving us, loving who we are, um, taking pride in who we are. Society tries to copy and, you know, downplay our culture, but this is us. Like, we shouldn't feel bad or feel... To embrace all that we are, and I just want to leave you that with today. I hope you all have a blessed day, and um, please keep tuning in too.
our podcast.